Thanks for taking some time to listen to this message on the Elevate Church podcast. We believe that God will speak to you wherever you are. Now, let's prepare our hearts and hear what God has for us today. And I want to say welcome. If this is your first time checking out Elevate Church, my name is Colby. I get the privilege of leading the church along with my wife, and we have four boys. You'll hear about my boys from time to time, and we have an amazing staff here as well. But we're in this series called His and Hers, which that's a shock to some of you because it was supposed to be a two-week mini-series. That didn't happen. Um, I feel like this is just one of those areas in our life that there's a lot of hurt, and there's a lot of brokenness, and there's a lot of damage that we do that honestly, honestly, it could be avoided. And so I think this is one of those things that God just you know, said, hey, we're gonna keep going. Um, it is gonna end next week, though, I promise you. We're gonna move on after next week, but it was a two-week series that now has turned into a, a four-week series, and if you were here last week, we talked about what we were building, the foundation of our relationship on, that you and I need to make sure that we get the order right, because if the order is not right, then everything falls apart. Next week, don't miss it, we're gonna talk about sex, and what God's word says, yeah, yeah, about sex that he wants us to have a great sex life. Some of you are like, I've never heard that in church before. This is a different kind of church, all right? We're gonna talk about it. But he's given us a container for it, and we're gonna talk about what that is. This week, however, um, is gonna be tough. And you might want to reject this teaching because honestly, it goes against everything that we have learned growing up. It's very counter-cultural, uh, but I'm asking that you would receive this today with an open heart and an open mind, because I believe that what the world is producing in the area of our relationships is proof enough that the world's way is not working. You don't have to look very far to know that divorce rate is 40 to 50%, world's way is not working. I think the, the world's way of, of relationships is producing a trail of frustration and hurt and devastation along the way is producing a generation of teenagers. By the way, 65% of teenagers have intercourse before the age of 17. And so the world's way is not, not working. And I submit that it's the current approach to dating that is the majority of the reason for the results that we're getting. In other words, dating is broke. Turn to your neighbor right now, tell him, dating is broke. It's broke but we are getting out of it exactly what we are putting into it. And our approach is not working. Now as I cover this topic today on dating, you might look at me and go, Colby, you're a relic, bro. Like that's not the way the world works anymore. That's not the way things happen. But I just happen to believe that we need to consult the one who created it and designed it in the first place. Like, like if you wanna know the way something works, don't you look at, to the person who actually created that thing? God knows a little bit more about this than, let's say, Jay-Z or Drake does, okay? So I just think we need to look at what he says in our approach to, to dating and relationships. Now, what's interesting is today, with all the online platforms that are out there, you can pretty much meet people in ways you never could before. I remember when online dating became a thing, and I used to make fun of it. I used to make fun of people that would meet online, like, how could you do that? But the reality is today, a lot of great relationships and marriages, even in this room, were born out of an online kind of, of meeting, maybe out on one of the, the online dating sites. And so uh, I want you to know, if you are kind of right now doing the online dating thing, I'm gonna give you some advice 
uh, that those personal profiles that people post are not always 100% accurate. You know that, right? That people don't always tell the truth on those. And so before we start, I just wanna kind of uh, help you crack the online dating code and be able to decipher what some of those personal profiles mean. Here's a little bit of his and hers. All right, follow along with this. If her profile says I'm 40-ish, what she means is she's 49 and three quarters. All right, that's the reality of it. You should know that. If his profile says I'm 40-ish, that means he's 52 years old and looking for a 25-year-old, and you need to stay away from that guy. If his online profile says he is huggable, that probably means he's carrying a few extra LBs and has more body hair than a Yeti, all right? You should know that. That's what it means. If her profile says, I'm romantic, that means that she probably looks better by candlelight, and I'm just calling it like I see it, all right? Just calling it like I see it. So romantic. If his profile says, I'm laid back and close to my family, that means he lives at home with his mommy and is unemployed. And he's hoping that you can support him. If her profile says, I'm bubbly and I'm fun, that probably means she's never met a drink that she doesn't like. All right, throwing that out there. If his profile says, I'm average looking, that means he fell out of the ugly tree and hit every branch on... I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding, all right? Relax, relax. Um, we needed to laugh because that's probably the only time you're gonna laugh today. You should know that. The, the thing that I'm covering today is a pretty serious topic, and I want you to go on this journey with me with an open mind and an open heart. Romans 12, two says this, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. In other words, following the world's way is not working. It's not producing um, what what you know, godly relationships look like, but let God transform you into a new person by, by church attendance, by worshiping, by singing, by, by praying a lot. It doesn't say that. It says by changing the way that you think. Now, all of those things are great, and all of those things help to change the way that we think, coming to church, worshiping, praying, getting in scripture, but we need to renew our minds, changing the way that we think. And so today I wanna offer some godly thinking as it relates to dating, dating. Dating is a relatively new concept. I mentioned last week it didn't start until about the 1920s or so. So it's about just 100 years, years old, but before that it was a different approach. It was a courtship in the Bible. It was a biblical kind of courtship. But the current dating model is producing a trail of frustration. And in my personal opinion, all right, it's producing a bunch of immature guys, because what we've seen lately is this explosion of, of 27-year-old boys that live in their basement, that play video games all the time, that are immature in relationships. And so we have a bunch of wonderful, you know, godly young ladies with not a lot of suitable options. I think that's some of what the current dating model is producing. I also think the current dating model enables teens to be free to pursue whoever they want um, in an environment that's free from their parents. And I think this is one of the dangerous things about it because you say, uh, we, we let our, our kids say, no, no, mom, dad, don't get involved in my dating life. Don't get involved. I'll let you know when you need to know 
about, you know, me and this person or, or me and that person, you know, but for now, stay out of it. And I think that's one aspect that's very dangerous in the current dating model. And then I think we have a lot of young um, single ladies, all the single ladies. No, I wasn't going to say raise your hand, but don't do that. But you have pressure, pressure to get married, pressure to find someone that you're going to spend the rest of your, your life with. And it only makes it worse when your friend shows up with, you know, the, the ring on her finger. And she goes, oh, he went to Jared's. And so you're like, you know, everybody's, you know, doing that whole squealy thing. And then it's, they get married and you go to the wedding and your Aunt Josephine is there. And she's like, don't worry, sweetie, your day is coming, you're next, right? And so you only feel this pressure. And because we feel pressure, a lot of times we compromise, and we lower our standards, which, by the way, um, you know, a good way to get back at Aunt Josephine is at the next family funeral you see her at. Yeah, yeah. Use her words against her. Don't worry, sweetie. You're next, right? So don't do that. Don't do that. So I'm going to give you one big idea today. Uh, one thought is found in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 1. It says, there is a time. Everybody say time. There's a time and a season, say season. There's a time. In other words, you can't do everything all the time. Like, I know you want it now. I know we need to rush into it, it now, but there is a time for it. And then there is a season for every activity under heaven. In other words, there's, there's a season where things are appropriate. There's a season in your life when things are, are right. Here's what I'm suggesting. Write it down. I think the current model of dating is the right feeling the wrong season. Right feeling, wrong season. So yes, if you're in a dating relationship and it's early on, yes, you may feel the right feeling like you're so in love. And, and we're not telling you you don't feel that way. Try telling your teenage daughter that she doesn't feel that way, that she's not in love. You're not, you don't love him. Yes, I do love him. No, you don't. Yes, I do. He's amazing, right? Try telling him that. Again, right feeling but it's the wrong season. And what's funny is we get this idea of right seasons in other areas of importance in our life. We understand how there's a right season for things uh, when it comes to academics, when it comes to our education. Like we understand the importance of this, this season really that our children are in. Like going to, to school, we know that during the season of life, it's tough. It's tough waking up. It's tough doing homework. It's tough getting on the bus. It's tough going to school. I got three boys that are in school. I have four total. Um, not because I love kids, but because I love my wife. Come on. <laughs> but every day, right? You know, I have one in elementary school, middle school, and in high school. And I know this is going to shock you, but they don't always want to go to school. And so they wake up in the morning and complain, I don't want to go today. I don't want to get on the bus today. I'm like, you better get your rear end on that bus. Like right now, I'm making it hard on them. Why? I'm forcing them to get up. I'm forcing them to, to do homework. I'm disciplining them. I'm making sure that they think ahead and prepare in advance in this season of their life. Now, they call it torture and child abuse. I call it discipline. It's hard in this season that they're in. Are you with me? And then when, you know, it comes time to graduate and go to college, and, and that might be a struggle, that might be a fight, but we say, no, no, no. You're gonna do it. You're gonna finish it. You're gonna do this Right, why do we do that? Why do we push so hard? Because we know that if they will finish and if they will do it right, they will reap the benefits of 50 years or plus of, of working in a job that they love and are excited about and are making an impact. And so we get it that there's a right season for things when it comes to education, 
Uh, we get there's a right season of things when it comes to our physical development. That's why baseball coaches, you don't let your little leaguer throw 100 pitches in a game, you know, when he's in third, fourth, fifth grade. Like, you don't, that's why you don't let them throw curveballs because you know that the damage it could cause of, you know, on their arm early on. You want to wait for it to grow, want to wait for it to, to strengthen. And so we understand this, that there's a right season in physical development in order for things not to, to get damaged or to engage in something too early. We understand this in education and the benefits of, of forcing and, and discipline in this area of our life. But I would submit that there's an area that we do not adopt this principle in. Dating. Socially. In our social lives. In fact, when it comes to dating, we get this completely backwards. We say, just go for it. Just date as many as you want. Like, like date as many, date him, date him, date her, because one day you're gonna be tied down. So, so just live it up now because it's hell later on. That's kind of the mentality, right? We say just, just live it up now. I'll see moms uh, with their, their fourth grade daughter. She'll pick them up from Skateland or, or something like a, a skate night, and she'll say, hey, hey, was Tommy there? Did you kiss him? Did you hold his hand during couple skate? Like, Really? Like we're encouraging this behavior from little on, just date him, just date him. And so what we're doing, we're perpetuating this philosophy of just use them and lose them, right? Just use them, date, go out with as many as you, you want, and when you're done, you're done. And those of you that play sports, you know this, you play like you practice. Write this down. In life and in dating and relationships, you play like you practice. So no wonder the divorce rate is 40, 50%. We're playing like we practice. We've been practicing just going in and out of relationship after relationship after relationship. That's what we're practicing. And then what happens is when things fall apart and things fail, we sit back and scratch our head and wonder what happened. Wonder why all the frustration. Wonder why there's so much hurt, there's so much pain. Because we've been playing like we've been practicing. Are you with me? Listen, I know you might not like me after this message. I know this is gonna be tough, right? Come back next week. We're going to talk about sex. You'll like me again, all right? <laughs> but this is tough. We just constantly are been playing like we have been, been practicing. And I'm, I'm not coming from a place of I have this figured out. You should know that. Um, I have little ones too. I'm doing my best, my wife and I, to try to navigate this, you know, before we get to that season in our boys' lives, but before also you feel condemned perhaps. You would say, Colby, we didn't do it this way. We didn't, we didn't do it right. Are you saying it's, it's too late for me? I've already messed up. I'm not saying that at all. Hear me. That's the devil. That's the enemy. He's lying to you. In Jesus, you are a new creation. In Jesus, you have a fresh start. So this is not about, yeah, about digging up the past because you can't change that. But this is about from here on out, okay? What can we do different how can we follow God's words and his principles differently from this day forward? This is not about condemning you for the way that we have already done it. And also I wanna say before you decide to tune out and say, well, we're past that season. I'm a parent. No, 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 listen, parents, this depends on you. A lot of this is dependent upon you and how you approach this with your little ones. And I would say grandparents and uncles and aunts, like, you have a job in this too, and I'm gonna tell you what that is in just a little bit. Open your Bibles to the Song of Solomon. 
This is a story of a couple that we're going to use as we work through this. The Song of Solomon, it might be called the Song of Songs in your translation. Uh, if you're looking for it, it's Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and then the Song of Songs or Song of Solomon. And it was written by, uh, we're not sure they use the word, the name Solomon in it, so it potentially, there's a lot of argument though if it was him or not, but there are four characters in the book. Uh, one, the main one is a Shulamite woman who's a peasant woman, who's a kind of a, a harvester, a farmer, she's a peasant, and then there's this king, this royalty. Maybe it's Solomon, uh, maybe not, and then there's a chorus of young ladies that are kind of like the voice, her guides, and just kind of talking her through the season of courtship, and then there's the protectors, her brothers, Right, so those are kind of the four characters in the story. And the book takes us through their, their dating, their courtship, into the marriage night. And it gets crazy up in there. Uh, you should read it. And then the, it takes us through their first fight. Which, by the way, you know what their first fight is about? Sex. It is. And so it walks us through that whole thing. And I want to use this as the story for um, how we see these seasons, these times and seasons in our life. So here we go, Song of Solomon, chapter two, verse eight says this. This is her talking. By the way, she does most of the talking, which is typical. <laughs> she says, listen, my lover, look, here he comes, leaping across the mountains, bounding over the hills. My lover is like a gazelle. He's like a young stag. It's Superman leaping, you know, buildings in a single bound, all right? It's, she's like in this season of, he's amazing. He can do no wrong. He's perfect. Just kind of look at him. It says, there he stands behind our wall. He's gazing through the, the windows. And this wasn't in like a creepy, pervy kind of way. Peering through the lattice, my lover spoke and said to me, now he's talking and he says, arise, my darling, my beautiful one. Come away with me. Just see how madly in love this couple is. They are in this season, this first season that we all go through. Write it down. The season of perfection. They're just perfect. You're perfect. This is the, the mom I finally found, Mr. Wright. Like, he's perfect. She's, she's perfect. Hey, married people, help me out. If I'm telling the truth, say amen. Ladies, he ain't perfect. And ladies are like, preach, pastor. <laughs> Love this church. Guys, she ain't perfect. <laughs> you guys are scared. You're scared. <laughs> Chicken. She's not perfect. None of us are. And that's the reality of it. But in this season of perfection, we think they are. We think they can do no wrong, that they are perfect. But three short chapters later, he put his fist through a wall, and they're having an argument, a fight. So what do we learn in this season of perfection? What does it teach us? When you think he's perfect and he's not, you think she's perfect and she's not, write this down. We learn that you can't trust you. You need to know that. If it's early on in your relationship, it's this, this early season of, of perfection, infatuation, when the endorphins are going crazy, in your body, you can't trust you. No matter how awesome you think they are, you can't trust you. We used to do, a, we still do a premarital thing here at Elevate Church um, that I used to do all the premarital counseling. It was a six, six week kind of thing and we get couples together. Now we have marriage mentors and they walk you through something called Symbus, which means saving your marriage before it starts. 
and they walked you through that. Um, but my goal in getting those couples together was not for them to spend the next six weeks um, saying all the things that they love about each other. That doesn't help anybody. My goal was to get them to fight. It was fun. Get them to argue, get them to bicker. I would have leading questions. I'd say, well, why do you think, you know, she thinks that? And I, I get them to that place where they're like, wait a second, you think this way? Or wait a second, you think that way? And they would take the gloves off, and then I'm like, all right, all right, stop, stop, stop. Can you marry that? Because if you can marry that, then you're ready, right? Because we know that it's the season where we think everything's perfect, that they're perfect and they are, are not. Because love is not finding, about finding a perfect person, it's about seeing an imperfect person perfectly, really through the eyes of God. And so we're in the season of perfection, right? We need to make sure that we are aware that we can't trust ourselves, so what do we do? In the season, there's three things, write it down. You've probably heard these before. You limit your time, your talk, and your touch. Write those down. In this season, this early season of, of dating, uh, the season of infatuation and perfection, you limit your time, talk, and your touch. Limit the amount of time you spend with that person, which, by the way, the time that you do spend should never be alone. Why? Because it's the most dangerous thing that you can do. When you think that person is, is amazing, they can do no wrong, that the world has never seen a love like this before, then that's the worst thing you can do is put yourself in a position with them when you're alone because you can't trust you. Like my, my boys aren't there yet. I have a 14-year-old Wade, and the first time he comes and says, Dad, hey, I want to ask out a girl, hopefully when he's 37 years old. You know, and I'm going to say, okay, like, where are you going to take her? Where do you think you're going to take her? Because I already know where he's going to take her. Where do you think you're going to take her? He's like, oh, I don't know, to the movies or something? But like, nope, you're bringing her here. To the house. We're going to have dinner with her. We're going to sit down with the whole family together because we potentially got to spend a lot of Thanksgivings with this person, right, and a lot of Christmases, and we're going to make sure that she's all right. And if you're not here with us, you're going to be somewhere in a group. Why? Because you can't trust you. In that season, so make sure you limit your, your time, limit your talk. Like, knock off all the, I love you, I love you, I love you stuff early on. Like, it's dangerous. All that does is leave a trail of, of heartbreak. And some of you, you know this because you remember the first person that said, I love you to you. Or, or you said, I love you to in middle school or in high school. And a lot of times, that's dangerous because you're thinking, oh, they were so, so amazing. And now you start looking them up online, on Facebook or on Instagram, because that was, that was amazing love. It's just dangerous. So limit that kind of, of talk early on. And then, of course, limit your touch. I'm not gonna get into this too much right now, but this is hard, because like, she's gonna be looking good. She's gonna be smelling good. And right now, you can't trust you. So make sure you put those in place early on. Keep reading. In verse 11, it says this. See, the winter is past. Somebody say winter. I want you to take note of this. This is huge. They went through a winter season together. You know what happens in winter besides you shredding it at peak and peak? You don't see a lot of new growth in the winter, but there is a lot of strengthening of roots. There's a lot of growing and maturing underneath the surface. In fact, every fall season, somebody from Team Turf or one of those places shows up to our house and wants to put, put winterizer fertilizer on our yard. And I kindly say no thank you. Um, but the goal is not to make the grass greener, right, in that winter season, but it's to make the roots of the grass 
stronger. And so in this next step, you have to go through a winter season. You have to experience a winter together where you're not just focused on finding the right one and that he's perfect and that she's perfect. You're focused on, on becoming the right one. You're focused on growing strong roots because you know that the storms will come. You know that the rain will come. And if you don't have strong roots that are gonna withstand you know, some of that storm, in fact, look, look what it says. Uh, the rains are over and the rains are gone. Flowers appear on the earth. The season of singing has come. The, the cooing of doves is heard throughout our land. And so they're saying we understand that we had to go through a winter season where we were able to grow and mature and develop together. And then look what she says. This is huge. Don't miss this. She says, my dove is in the clefts of the rock in the hiding place. What was the hiding place? We're going to talk about that in a little bit. On the mountainside, uh, she's going, winter is over now. The rains are gone. And remember before, he was a stag. He was this gazelle. He was leaping across the mountains, right? Look now. What does she say? Show me your face. Let me hear your voice. Your voice is sweet. Notice he's no longer this stag. He's no longer this, this stud, this amazing man leaping over the hills. She sees something more. Something more has grown out of this winter season. Like she's no longer um, complimenting his figure. She's complimenting his character. She's saying, I need you to be more than cute, more than Superman. I need you to be somebody I can build a life with. I need you to be somebody that we can have strong roots together with. We can build a home with because they understood this season that most people bypass. Write it down. Number two, the season of preparation. That's what it is. That winter season is the season of preparation. This couple understood there's not, there's a time and season not to touch everything, not to do everything, not to sleep with everything. No, no, stop it. That's garbage. There has to be a season where we grow and we mature together and recognize that this is the most important decision next to following Jesus, who I'm gonna spend the rest of my life with. And because of that, I have to know who I am and I have to know, you know what is important to me. So in this season, write it down, you have to focus on who you are becoming. That's what we do in the season of preparation. It's not about finding the right one, it's about becoming the right one. In other words, you can't find boo until you find you, right? Can't do it. Like you have to know who, who you are because how many of you know you change as seasons change? What you wanted at 20 is not what you wanted at 30 or 40 or 50. And so you have to know that there's a season where you have to grow and develop and mature because how many of you know it's dangerous to, to pick somebody for a lifetime that is only compatible with you in a single season. Like that's dangerous to do. In fact, that's why God wants you to focus on him first because while we pick for the present, he chooses for our future. I mean, he picks somebody that we can grow with and, and mature with and develop with. And so she had to go through a season of preparation to find herself. He had to go through a season of, of preparation to find himself. Who am I apart from this person? What's important to me? What do I value? Where do I want to, to go in, in life? Because if you don't know who you are, like how will you know um, what you're looking for? If you don't know where you are going, how are you gonna know who to take with you there? Are you with me? Like it doesn't, it doesn't make sense. You have to know first who you, you are. And if you don't see yourself right, I promise you, you're not gonna choose right. 
You better first understand who it is that God has called you to be and where he's taking you. And so the season of preparation was all about who's God creating you to be, fixing your eyes on him, following him. And as you follow God's will, as you walk with him, he will bring to you the right person in the right time, in the right season that will focus on the right things. That's not just a, oh, he's a stag, he's amazing, he's awesome. No, focus on what really matters in that, that season. So how, how did these guys prepare? Uh, for the groom, the dad would come to him and say, all right, son, before you get married, um, you gotta build a hopa. Everybody say hopa. Yeah, yeah, you, you, somebody said it real good. I think you just spit on the person in front of you. Hopa, it's spelled, it's spelled like chalupa. Actually, it's not spelled like chalupa at all. There's no L in it. But it's kind of spelled that way. Um, but it's pronounced hopa, and a hopa was his first house. And so in, in this tradition, the father would supervise the building of the groom's first house. In fact, when somebody would ask uh, the groom and say, hey, when, when are you going to get married? His response would be, only my father knows. Because his father was the one that would tell him when he was ready, like with his new home. His father would investigate what he is building. So that's what he was doing. On the mountainside, hiding in the mountain place during the season of preparation, he's building their first home. You know what the bride-to-be was doing? She was being closely guarded by her mother. That's what would happen in this, this culture. Uh, in fact, her friends would get involved, and her friends would also guard them. Her, her friends would make sure that they didn't do anything inappropriate, that they would sacrifice you know, their, their purity you know, for a, for a moment. In fact, that's where we get the whole idea of bridesmaids and groomsmen. Do you know that? Like, it, it used to be that they were the protectors. They were the guardians. They were the ones that would watch over the relationships and say, hey, hey, don't do that with them. Don't do that with her. What do you mean you're going on a weekend getaway together? Like, what's that about? Don't, don't do that. How are, how are you gonna sleep? Like, nobody even asks these questions anymore. Like, are you gonna sleep in the same room? Are you gonna sleep in the same bed? Like, how is that going to work? They were the guardians and protectors. Like, we have totally lost the meaning of this in our wedding ceremonies. We get a bunch of guys that we kind of know and our bride's brother, you know, and then we get a bunch of girls, you know, that, that have to buy a dress that's too expensive. They'll never wear again. Come on, ladies, right? And we stand up there and it's completely lost its meaning. Where instead today, what we do is after, after a date, we, you know, call them up or, or guys will talk about in the locker room, yeah, yeah, tell me all about it. Or we'll call our friends up and say, hey, you know what happened? Did you, did you guys sleep together? Tell me all the details. I want to know. Stop it. Like you be the guardian. You be the, the protector so that on the day they do get married, you can actually uh, say, you know, I did what I was called to do, which was to stand beside you and protect you from doing anything that would cause damage in the relationship too early. Are you with me? Listen, I know this is not popular. I know it. And I know I'm not going to get a lot of amens, but I don't preach for amens. I didn't become a pastor because I wanted to fill seats. I became a pastor because I wanted to help people and keep you from a lot of pain and heartache along the way. And so that's what they were called to do in that, that season of preparation. They stood up to be the, the guardians, the guardians. In fact, you need to have two things in this season. One is incredibly high standards, okay? Um, I, I maintain we have some of the lowest possible standards in this season of 13 to 22-year-olds. It's like, just go for it. 
just do it. Whatever, you're, whatever you want to do, just go for it. We have a massive amount of high school students leaving high school, going to college where 90% of them, you know, drink and, and get drunk. And then we chalk it up to being, oh, it's just a rite of passage. It's just a college thing. You know, that's, that's what you do. No, it's not. You need to raise the bar. You need to have a higher standard than that. In fact, I know I'm, I'm not trying to be ugly, but there are some dads, you would make it harder for a guy to take out your car than your daughter. They want to take out your GTO? You're like, oh, where are you going? When are you going to get be, be back? You better not scratch it. You better not put a, a dent on it. You want to take out my daughter? Okay, that's fine. Have a, have a fun time. Like, seriously. So you need to have incredibly high standards. And the second thing you need is family involvement. Family involvement in this. You might say, Colby, I don't have a good family. Yes, you do. You have a church family. Like, you have people that love you. If you are willing to let them walk with you in this season and weigh in, on the relationships, people that honestly love God first, you know, and then love you as well, like you need that. I'm just saying, if you want godly results in your relationships, you have to have godly standards. Are we okay? Like you need that, you need that. And I don't mind, by the way, walking through brokenness and helping you to pick up the pieces um, of failed relationships, but wouldn't it be easier not to have to? Like inoculation is always easier than the cure. And so I don't mind. I'm just saying our goal is to set you up to where you don't have to carry around a bunch of hurt and baggage along the way with you. And again, let me just say, you know, if you, you, you feel condemned about that, listen, again, in Jesus, right, from this day, from this day forward, I think God wants you to experience uh, his best in your life. Now, Solomon speaks up, uh, and I'll end with this in verse 15. Um, notice what Solomon says, all right? Again, he doesn't talk that much, but here he's talking, and this is important that he's the one talking about this. Catch for us the foxes, the little foxes that ruin the vineyards are vineyards that are in bloom. What would happen are the foxes would come into the vineyards, and they would eat the little grape buds before they had a chance to grow, before they had a chance to, to you know, ripen on the vine. And so what Solomon is saying, or whoever this guy was, is saying, we need to make sure we catch them before it happens. Otherwise, they're gonna ruin things. Otherwise, they're gonna destroy um, our purity. They're gonna destroy what God has for us, our, our best. And so I love the fact that he initiates this last season, which is why, let me just say, young guys, I'm putting this on you. Like, everybody should have high standards, but guys, this is on you. You need to be the protector of purity. You need to be the one that says, you know what? We're not gonna let anything ruin this. That we're gonna put up these boundaries and guardrails in place that's not gonna happen. In fact, you know what we do with our, our Elevate students is like we, we challenge them to grow into godly men. I don't know what you think happens with our, our house parties or you know with our, our small groups with students. You know, if you think they just run around playing duck, duck, goose and chubby bunny and putting marshmallows in their mouth, like, that's the wrong church, all right? We don't do that. Like, we're challenging them. We're challenging them in this. Hey, why don't you stand up? Why don't you, why don't you be the protector of purity? Why don't you put up, put up guardrails? That's why I'm begging you to go after this last season. It's a season of purity. It's where we hold on to a higher standard. And, and this is one of those areas we just need to be real about because the church hasn't been. 60% of men struggle with internet pornography. And so do a lot of women. But a lot of times we just 
we just hide this and, and we, we put on our face and when people ask us, how's it going? We just say, oh, it's fine, it's fine, everything's fine. Like we just need to be open and real about this, to work on it. And I don't care if you'd say, Colby, I keep failing, I keep failing. We need to redefine what failing looks like. Like trying and failing is not failing. Failing is not trying at all. Some of us refuse to put these standards in place. In fact, that's why the last thing in the season of purity, what you need to put in place, is not up here, but you need to write down boundaries and guardrails. You better make sure you have people in your life that during this season will we'll protect you. Guys, that, that, that you, know, you put your software on your computers and phones that when you, know, you go to a site that you shouldn't go to, that it emails your friends. Like You need to make sure you have this. I know this is not how we do it in the world today. But again, I submit the way of the world is not working. It's not working. We see the results of it. So I'm just challenging the way that we think we get to this last verse, Song of Songs, chapter 3, verse 5 says this. In fact, it says this four times. And the Bible repeats itself, you know, twice it's important. This says it four times. Daughters of Jerusalem, I charge you by the gazelles and by the does of the field, do not arouse or awaken love until it's the right time. Do not arouse and awaken love until it's the right season. Do not arouse and awaken love until it's the right time. Do not, like four times it says it, that there's a time for it, there's a season for it, and we need to make sure we have things in the right season. Now, real quick, real quick, if you'd say, I didn't do it that way. Let me tell you, in Christ, you are a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. In Christ, you get to hit the reset button on your life. And you get to start fresh. Come on, this could be a fresh start. That from this day forward, right, you make some changes. Let's do this. Would you bow your head, close your eyes all across this room. God, I pray right now for those that are in this season of, of dating and courtship and trying to figure out really what will be the most important decision that they make other than giving their life to follow you. That is who they're going to spend the rest of their life with. And so, God, I pray that you would help us to identify what season we are in. Help us to put up boundaries and guardrails in place. God, help us to maintain our purity because we know on the other side of it, man, is this amazing thing that you've created, that you've designed for us. And so, God, I pray right now that you would help us and give us wisdom in this. And maybe this is completely outside of the realm of, of what we've been practicing but it's not working. And then we play like we practice. So God, today I, I pray that you would help protect us. And if you're in this room today, and you hear me say, in Christ, this comes. Uh, everything gets changed. That you are a new creation. That you can have a, a fresh start. Maybe you've never heard that before. But with every head bowed, every eye closed, let me tell you that Jesus came to give his life for you. So that you wouldn't have to carry around sin shame, guilt, baggage, that you could have a fresh start and a new beginning. And the Bible says as we call on his name, we believe that God raised him from the dead, conquering sin, being the perfect sacrifice for, for our sins, our mistakes, our missteps, the ways that we don't hit the mark. That the moment we do that, he will begin to give us a new heart Give us a new purpose in life. And maybe you're here and you've never done that. I want to give you a chance to do that right now. I want to give you a chance to, 
to receive Jesus as Lord of your life. And the way we do it is through prayer. I want to lead you in a prayer. If you'd say, Colby, when you pray that, I'm praying with you. No one's looking around, but would you right now just lift your hand wherever you are in this room and just hold it up high. Just be bold. Just say, God, here I am. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, yeah. God bless all of you. Yeah, and put your hands down. Just say something like this in your heart. Jesus, today I give you my life. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sin. Thank you that the moment I call on your name, uh, you come and live inside of my heart and you, you make me a new creation. And I want to thank you for, for taking all of it on your back, past, present, and future, with every stripe, with every beating, God, you took my sin upon you. And so from this moment on, I choose to follow you. You are my Lord. Just tell them that you're my Lord and my Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for checking out this week's message on the Elevate Church podcast, and we hope you really enjoyed it. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, congratulations. Welcome to the family. We would love to know about it, so please let us know by going to elevatechurch.com slash yes. There will be some practical resources that will help you as you start this journey. If you want to support the mission and vision of Elevate Church to help people far from God reach their full potential in Christ, go to elevatechurch.com slash give. We'll see you soon. Have a great week.